want to contact whoever's on that banjo. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for another episode of Three Beers In, episode 151. I'm your host, Dom, and I am so excited to have you guys here this evening. It may be daytime for you when you're listening, but nonetheless, Three Beers In, ladies and gentlemen, 151. And this week, we're drinking Rhymes with Ukulele, which is a New England-style India Pale Ale. From the Cambridge Brewing Company, a beer, uh, a brewery that we've have featured here on the show before, one time before, uh, episode 132, where we had the fog surrounds. Don't remember what kind of beer it was. Don't even remember what rating I gave it. But nonetheless, it has been on the show before. Uh, full disclaimer there. Let's see if they're able to nail this style of beer that every beer drinker, and I think every craft beer drinker gets excited about when they get their hands on a New England style IPA because. I mean, usually, I mean, you're hoping for a juice bomb. You're hoping for something crazy. You know, speaking of something crazy, um, my wife and I, our, our one-year anniversary just passed. Uh, round of applause. Thank you. I'll do, the, I'll do a harp for the magic that is a one-year anniversary. And um, since our wedding venue, uh, where we had our wedding, is about 45 minutes, 50 minutes away from here, from where we live, we decided to go out there to have dinner there, me, my, myself, her, and our daughter. And... Uh, it's a very, I've said this, I think I said this before, but I'm going to just bring it up again. I feel much more comfortable and much more at home at like a sports bar or something, you know, like Duffy's here on Staten Island or Beer Garden here on Staten Island or Jimmy Max or something like that or Danino's, you know, all these, you know, um, maybe let's think of some chain restaurants for people that listen uh, from around the United States, something like a Miller's Ale House or a Buffalo Wild Wings type situation, or an Applebee's. You know, that type of atmosphere where there's multiple televisions around, not just by the bar, and uh, that people are wearing T-shirts, and uh, you will hear the F word get thrown around once in a while. That's kind of my scene. So the Ryland Inn, which is where we went for the anniversary and also where we had our wedding, is a fine... I'm not going to say ultra-fine dining restaurant because you're not required to wear a jacket. I wore a polo and was extremely underdressed, based upon the clientele, but nonetheless, I was wearing chinos and a, bo- uh, and a bolo. Imagine I had a bolo tie on. I, I mean, that's a legit tie, right? I, I think I want to try to, in my older age, I want to try to p- have a persona because I'm losing my hair, and I want to try to do like a full-on horseshoe haircut, right, where like it wraps around just the outside of my head and the, and the sideburns, and I want to connect it to a very big beard, and I want to wear a bolo tie. Because I, I feel like no one would fuck with me. And maybe young children, not young children, but people would be like, I either want to party with that guy, get to know that guy, or stay the fuck away from him. So I don't get any, like, you know, in between with that. But nonetheless, um, everyone's wearing a jacket, like a suit jacket where we're at. You know, my, my wife was well-dressed, and uh, my daughter was too. She was wearing, like, a little tutu-y thing. And, um, you know, neither here nor there but it's 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 not just that it's the etiquette it's not the etiquette it's the the attitude of the wait staff it's the feel of the place it's very um ritzy i want to use the word ritzy here so it's like i'm used to being in a diner where someone comes in order you, you know you're like can i get the coleslaw and the pickles away and they they bring it you know and like another cup of coffee you know something like that like it, it's it's more casual much more casual these people, when they when they bring you your the, your appetizer, they explain to you everything that's on the dish. They like they, they like point out what's what, 
and you have to like nod and and pretend to understand. I don't know. I didn't know. I, it's a menu. When you read it, you don't know what it is. Hang on. Let me pause and I'm gonna get the menu up. I'm just gonna name a couple things on the menu that. Now listen, I'm used to like a, maybe like a zupa de mussels or something or a fried galamad. Okay, and maybe call me crazy nachos. But this is what are some of the. You know, here's this this rube that sits down, and this is the first thing he sees in the menu is wild mushroom and grapefruit salad. And, um, okay, I understand what's going on so far, but mixed greens, grapefruit segments, dill, provolone, speck, rye chips, honey with a grapefruit vinaigrette. Okay, I get that. You got greens, you got a little bit of grapefruit, dill, provolone, understand. Don't know what speck is. Rye crisp, I'm assuming, is like croutons. Honey, okay, pretty self-explanatory, and then the grapefruit vinaigrette. Asian pear and kabocha squash salad. Field greens, which I guess is different than the mixed ones. Curried walnuts. Herbed Humboldt fog mousse with cider vinaigrette. Now, I, call, I do not know what herb Humboldt fog mousse is, and I'm not about to sit here and Google it. Uh, what else we have here? Uh... Seared tuna toro. Now, I figured this might be like a sushi type thing, like a, maybe like a tartare, but it's also seared. So now I'm a little more confused. The comes with Jimmy Nardello peppers, which, I mean, in order for a pepper to be named after you, you must have done something good. But I'm not ready to try to figure that out for, for $28. Purple shishito, ground cherries, and a Riesling vinaigrette. Now, I know Riesling is a light German wine. But what is purple shishito? And I understand what ground ground cherries are. Split pea soup. Pretty self-explanatory. But it also is going to come with toasted goat cheese crostini and smoked ham. I don't know what that is. I'm I'm hoping, I was hoping for some toast with some nice cheese on the top. You know? But didn't get that far. And, um... Nonetheless, I kind of I I found words I was familiar with, picked those out, and then I got served it. You know, when they come and give you your water, they refill your water. They like cover you with a napkin to do so. After you eat anything, they remove all of the plates and cutlery and give you brand new plates and cutlery. It's the type of Italian. So I've said this. I've said this in my life. I'm not the type of person that if I go to a department store, I want. I don't want anyone ever to ask me if I need help. Don't look at me. Don't. Touch me. Don't come near me. Let me just wander around. And if I wander around aimlessly enough, that's me telling you to come ask me for help. Because I'm also the type that can't ask for help. I feel weird and bashful, you know? But I don't want you asking me questions. I don't want you telling me, like, you know, we have this on sale. Like, don't tell. Let me just loaf around and figure it out on my own, okay? But the reason I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent here is because I could get I know if I, wherever I am in the world, <clears throat> whether I'm in Aruba or in the depths of New Jersey at the Ryland Inn, I know that I could turn to the beer menu and figure out what I might want to drink. So I turn to it. I see Stella Artois. I see uh, what else? I think there was um, regular domestic like Budweiser and uh, Miller. But then I saw um, Lagunitas IPA. Okay, I know what that is. Dogfish Head 60 Minute. Okay, I know what that is. And I saw a Brotherton IPA. Brotherton IPA. Never heard of it before. I said, waiter, come forward. You know, because you have to be proper and everything like that. I will have a Brotherton IPA. He goes, all right, fine. 
he leaves, and my wife and I are laughing, having a great time. And um, she ordered a Pinot Grigio, some sort of wine. This guy turns the corner, right? And I see the beer. He case carrying it in. It's in a, a regular um, pint glass, but the beer is on its own platter, of course, because it has to be all proper and all that. But it's the color of orange juice. And just like like I was just saying before, when you have a New England style IPA in your possession, you don't you don't know what it looks like on the inside, but you know when you pour it out, if it looks like orange juice or a mimosa, you're probably gonna have a good time. So he put it down. And he said, "Excellent choice, sir." And I said, "I think so, young man." And I gave him a hundred dollar bill, crisp hundred dollar bill, tucked it in his pocket, and I told him to run along. No, that didn't happen. But nonetheless, I took a sip of that beer, and God damn it, it was good. Brotherton IPA from New Jersey. Fantastic. I couldn't believe it. I I was so happy about it. I had two of them. Had two of them. Don't tell anybody because I was driving, but it was okay. Two of them was 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 sufficient. Like, nothing happened. I didn't get any, even any buzz. Anyway, but it was fucking delicious. And, and that is what it's all about when it comes to New England-style IPAs, especially and a craft beer drinker. You want to have that wow moment when you sip on one of those beers. And I think that's what it's all about when you're experimenting with, not experimenting with beer, but having beers and stuff like that. Um, one more thing I want to get to before we kick off for real. The Irishman, okay? This is the latest craze. Not the latest craze, but it's the latest, hottest item. <laughs> what am I even saying? On Netflix, Everyone wants to see it. Everyone who hasn't seen it is going to see it. They plan on seeing it. And now, because people were scared away at the fact that it was three hours and 30 minutes long, it is now broken up into three parts, if you so choose, to watch it that way, which I think is actually pretty fucking phenomenal. But for me, I have to watch it straight through that thing up. It's a Scorsese film, and it's about Jimmy Hoffa and the International Brotherhood of Teamsters. Actually, no, it's not about that at all. It's about the man named Frank Sheeran, who... Worked in the Teamsters, was was a president of one of the chapters of the Teamsters in, I think, Philadelphia. And um, allegedly, according to him, because it's his story, he's the man who killed, who murdered uh, his friend Jimmy Hoffa by orders of the Italian mob. Now, interesting. I mean, it was a nice movie. It was fun. It was It was a Scorsese film. Classic Scorsese movie, all the elements that are that are needed in one of the, I mean, that are uh, that are known for Scorsese. Uh, a lot of good dialogue, a lot of good character interaction. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good, but there was just one caveat I could not get over, and I think I think a lot of people are sharing this sentiment with me. Uh, after I watched it, I read a couple articles, and they nailed exactly what my problem was with it. And they are old as fuck, like literally. I mean. Robert De Niro is, I think he's 76 years old, and he's supposed to be playing a younger man who's six foot four, 240 pounds, who beats the shit out of people, running around with the mob, running around with the teamsters and all that stuff. They use this anti-aging technology with the CGI, and I think that the the budget for that, and I could be wrong, but so don't quote me wholly, uh, wholeheartedly on this. It was 200. Wait, I lost the beer. 250. $20 million, okay, for the technology to make these guys look younger. And they did it on their faces. And then there's a scene, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but if you haven't seen it by now, 
I mean, you know, you'll see this scene, and it doesn't really spoil anything, but where Joe Pesci's character, who is uh, Russell Buffalino, who was a head of a crime family, an Italian mob crime family uh, back in the day, meets uh, a young Robert De Niro, who is Frank Sheeran, who is this Irish man, who um, his car breaks down, his truck breaks down, and they meet in like a gas station. And Joe Pesci's leaning over, and he's like, hey, kid, what's going on? And you see just this, they're both 76 years old, to my understanding. You see an old fuck telling another old, calling another old fuck a kid. And as much as the anti-aging technology kind of worked, you could just see still they could not, there's like a gauntness to some older folks. Like they hunch over the way they carry their bodies. You could see the arthritis in their hands and shoulders and, and, and backs the way they're carrying themselves. There's a scene where... Um, De Niro beats the shit out of some guy and he's like hunched over when he's doing it and he's supposed to be, he's supposedly kicking this man and breaking his hand and all this stuff but all I see is just an old guy trying not to fall down so it's it's it was it it put a blemish on the movie for me okay but there there the thing that is awesome about this film that uh, is a little bit of a treat because there's not a lot of movies or TV that does this anymore, is that their acting is so good, especially for me, Pesci and, and Pacino. Pacino, again, he's 70, he's 70, he's 80 years old. He's 79, 80 years old, Pacino, playing a 47-year-old Jimmy Hoffa. And it just doesn't, it doesn't feel right. You know, they, they, they dyed his hair like dark brown, and he, he just looks like a guy that's trying really hard to be young, you know? But the power of their acting and their dialogue and the way they interact on the screen with each other especially, it makes you forget it. And it, that, that you know, if, if they were lower quality actors, I think, and don't get me wrong, I'm not a big, I'm not going to say that De Niro is the best actor or Pesci is the best actor or, Pacino's best actor, but they're damn good at what they do. And, uh, you know, to see that on the screen and to see them carry this film uh, only with certain things. I mean, it wasn't the whole time that they did it, okay? There was just certain scenes where you were lost in the dialogue and in their conversation and in the story. And um, that was gr that was a great part of it. And I, and I give a hats off to them for that. But... You should have casted younger people for when they were younger and transfer over or, or move into... Like, I mean, there's a scene of, of Frank Sheeran when he's in World War II, and it's almost laughable. It's almost comical to see, like, it, it just looks so fake. It looks like it's completely computer animated. You might as well have just done, like, a, a, a hand-drawn reenactment. You know, that may have even been better if it was, like, narrated in such a, um, a tight way. That honestly probably would have been better. But nonetheless, I mean, I guess Scorsese saw the technology was there. He was going to use it. Another thing, too, they were talking about doing this movie for like 20 years. If you fucking did this movie 20 years ago, it would have been incredible. It would have actually, because they're saying it's Oscar-worthy and all that stuff. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, sure, Oscar-worthy and all that. It really would have been if it was done 20 years ago, in my opinion, okay? Because I thought it was really good. But it also opened up uh, for some people the whole Hoffa thing again, you know, what really happened to him, how did it really work out. And then a lot of people who were around Frank Sheeran, who has now passed away, 
We're saying that guy's never did anything in the mob. Okay, he's never even heard a fly. All he did was just get fucking loaded, you know, at the uh, the clubhouse or whatever, and then and then that was it. He never he never was a muscle for anybody. He never murdered anybody. He never did anything. You know, there's just so many so much conjecture. Is that the yeah conjecture when it comes to what happened to Hoffa and everything like that? You know, who knows? No one will ever know. Only God knows. And with that, we are going to now move on to the hop of the week, ladies and gentlemen. And let's see what we got here. Uh, what do we got? Today, oh shit. Technical difficulties. Yeah, one man show. Today we're doing I- Idaho number seven. U.S. Idaho number seven hops. And this is actually from morebeer.com. And this is the description. Burp. Excuse me there. Idaho number seven hops are known for their piney, tropical, fruity, citrusy, earthy, and floral flavors and aromas. Uh, typically used as an aroma slash flavor hop with high alpha acid levels and average cohumulone content. It's a strong hop character. It's ideal for IPAs, APAs, and any other hop-forward beer suggested as a single hop for blending or for blending as a late addition. Uh, the high oil content and soft uh, pelletizing uh, process make this ideal for dry hopping and whirlpool. Uh, the hop characteristics uh, statistics here, the alpha acids are 10 to 14%. And... Um, Oh, it has a. It's similar hops are Amarillo, Chinook, and Columbus. So that's what we get for this one. I know that uh, Bolero Snort uses a lot of uh, Idaho Number Sevens in their brews, and uh, pretty much anything from Bolero Snort is is good in my book. I mean, I haven't had a beer from them I didn't like, except the Berliner Weiss, but because that, I'm just not a fan of the Berliner Weiss. You know, that's just not my style. But um. One more thing I want to share before moving on here. There's there's this um, web application called TikTok, and uh, I think I mentioned it before. And it's a it's like a a social media thing where people put up videos of like their little short clips of videos of them like singing or dancing or or doing something um, in terms of like a small performance. But my sister sent me this, and it's it's a dog gagging on TikTok. And I'm gonna try to get this link into my Facebook, but this is what. I can't. I cannot believe this. That is a a fucking dog sitting on a couch and just gagging. It's real. I'm gonna. You gotta see it. I, oh my god. Yeah, I'm starting. I'm starting this podcast later in the evening because we had dinner uh, with the whole family tonight. And if you just type in dog gagging TikTok, um, if you see a ca- uh, person with the name of Mork on YouTube, you'll be able to find it. And I couldn't believe how much this dog sounded like a full-on like man gagging. I think the dog's okay. I don't know what he was trying to get out. I hope he got it out because, for, for the love of Christ, he's really fucking struggling there. But um, let's uh, let's get on to the... Um, to the beer news, huh, shall we? (laughs) 
The beer news, big part of our show, big, big part of our show here. Uh, so, yeah, there's not too, too much to get to. Sometimes the beer news is a little slow. Um, sometimes it's crazy, but um, first thing to kick off, and like this isn't new news, so I don't really cover it. I don't really cover it uh, <coughs> too, too much, but um, first things first, uh, founders are still having a lot of big problems. A lot of big problems out there and in, uh, in Illinois where they're out uh, where they're at Detroit still hasn't like a lot of places are not serving their beer even though they settled their racial discrimination case founders said they're going to reopen their Detroit tap room and that from now <clears throat> I think in 2020 and from the time it opens in 2020 to 2022 they are going to donate all of the proceeds to um, racial awareness charities and stuff like that but I'll tell you what People were people were really upset when founders sold to Sam Mahal and all that stuff like that. Okay. And then they find this racism thing. It's just you're giving them so many reasons. You're giving consumers so many reasons to just not go for their beer. Okay. There's a lot of people that are just turned off by the sale. And then you got this nonsense. Why? There's just so many options. Why? Why would you do that? And uh, they are now going to pay for it. Uh, another thing here that I came across, VinePair.com did another article. One of those ones that they're saying, um, <clears throat> they asked 14 brewers what is going to be the big thing in 2020. And, you know, I did this not too long ago. I think I did it last year. And um, basically they're, they're, they're just saying, like, um, they're hoping for West Coast IPAs to come back. They're looking for uh, light and low ABV beers. Um and then the one guy said IPAs, just like it's been for the past 15 years. Some people are saying seltzers. Some people are saying uh, milkshake IPAs, hazy Savon Blancs and Chardonnays, canned wine segments. Um, they're just, you know, people are just, uh, one of the guys said, and uh, this was Jordan Fink for, uh, from um, Wood uh, Boss Brewing in Denver, said that he's basically... Um, Saying that the haze craze won't go away, but we're going to rediscover crushable, clean IPAs, which I kind of like uh, came across when I had the, um, oh, what was it? The Red Ale from, uh, or was it American IPA? Oh, it was like Ninja vs. Unicorn. It was just a return to the basics. Rupsum and Horman has that too. When I had that for the uh, for the first time, it just, it brought me back to a simpler time. Like, well, not a simpler, simpler time, but what I'm trying to say is it's like a, um, a time that uh, that people need to uh, you know need to respect and and uh, think about going back and enjoying. Also, another news: the uh, Brewers Association has released a big year for small independent beer in 2019. It's got a really really nice little graphic uh, that is going to tell you everything that happened uh, this year in craft beer. And I'll read it to you right now. They had four percent growth. Uh, the Brewers Association in 2019 uh, uh, measured... Oh, wait a minute. Is this... Where is this? Yeah, in uh, 2019, mid-year, they measured um, 4% production growth over year-to-year for small independent uh, breweries. And um, they're, they're, they're assuming that it's going to be more. 550,000 jobs. That's up 11%. Uh, craft brewers were responsible for more than 550,000 full-time equivalent jobs. Increase of 11% from 2017 with uh, 150,000 of them 
uh, coming from gastropubs. The industry uh, contributed $79.1 billion to the U.S. economy, uh, which was a 4% increase. 8,000-plus breweries have uh, op- operated in uh, 2019, which is a record number for the United States. 4,700-plus th- uh, brewing companies have adopted the independent craft brewer's seal, representing close to 80% of the craft beer brewed. Uh, and in Delaware's, um, oh, uh, in the U.S., Delaware's 21 small and independent craft breweries became, oh, the first state to become 100% adoption of the seal. So if uh, in the state of Delaware... You have to adopt the seal if you're a craft beer um, uh, company. Beer is bipartisan. 324 representatives and 74 senators co-sponsored the Craft Beverage Modernization and Tax Reform Act in the 116th Congress, resulting in unprecedented bipartisan support. The BA has been a key player in moving forward this legislation that seeks to permanently recalibrate the federal excise tax for the nation's brewers. That is amazing. Happy holidays, everybody. The Brewers Association launched two new national beer holidays, National Independent Beer Run Day on July 3rd and Small Brewery Sunday on December 1st to encourage beer uh, lovers everywhere to celebrate and support America's small independent uh, brewers. Um, Innovation Nation, it says here, from non-alcoholic to gluten-free to goes, brute, hazy IPAs and everything in between, America's independent brewers continue to innovate and adapt to the evolving consumer preference um, basically just a very great year for craft brew. I know that, um, we had an email last week from a guy who thinks that they're fudging their numbers a little bit. I like the new, I like the the good news. I think the good news is great, you know, and I think it's really great, especially year end. What a decade it has been. And uh, I got an email here from, hold on, let me bring it up from Matt here, Matt here out of Kansas city. Hello there, Matt. And he would like to share his opinion with us. He says Christmas time is the best time for beer. Um, I just left a particularly well-stocked store with left-hand nitro milk stout, 21st Amendment's fireside chat, Southern Tears 2 Xmas, Bell's special double milk stout, and St. Bernardus Christmas Ale. I am in heaven here. I am hoping to find some new ones to add to my holiday drinking, but these are some of the best beers I've ever had. Some of these stouts are surely around all year, but they have, they feel too heavy on a hot summer evening. Uh, winter and stout slash ales, no better combination. Cinnamon and clove and orange peel and cardamom and milk stouts, and I'm in heaven. Matt, yeah, that's great. I mean, I'll tell you, you could, you, I don't, uh, you should try to find some local craft beer to try because I, even uh, Beverage Island put out a post about the Holterman's uh, chocolate cake stout from, Oh, God, from from Flagship, and that was one of the best stouts I ever had in my life. Full disclosure, everybody, I fucking loved it, and I think that you should go and try it. I'm, I'm dead serious. I even commented on the, uh, excuse me, on the post telling people, like, you need to seriously try it. I loved it. I thought it was great. Sorry if I'm, you know, rocking the boat a little bit with, um, you know, I'm not saying it's a preference. You know, I am saying it's. I prefer that stout. I thought it was really, really good, and it's it's readily available right now. When I was getting the show beer for today, I saw a whole bunch, a whole fuck ton of it in the fridge at Beverage Island. I just wanted to grab so much of it, but I stopped myself. You know, got to keep true to the budget, you know, and, um, you know, 
Go I mean, if you can get your hands on it, please go try it from Flagship Brewer right here on Staten Island. Uh, the uh, the chocolate, the Halterman's uh, chocolate cake stout. I think it's a. I think that's what it's called. I could be wrong. And the Rogan Fest is pretty good too. Flagship stepping up the game, and they're going all cans now too. Pretty awesome new label designs on their cans. Killsborough also came out with a whole bunch of new beers, and I want to get my hands on them and give them a try. But uh, I opted for Bolero Snort uh, this time for a pre-show beer. Speaking of beer, I I am empty, and it's time for me to fill this bad boy up. So um, let's uh, let's do the beer review for Rhymes with Ukulele. Okay. As I pour this beer out here, uh, it's in the tall boy cans. Okay. It is a very straw, pale, hazy yellow color. I mean, it's it's very, very, very hazy, very, very, very pale. And it says here, uh, Triticale, Triticale? Ukulele. So it runs a ukulele. It must be Triticale. <clears throat> Triticale is a tasty hybrid of wheat and rye combining soft, round wheat character with hints of rye spiciness. There's plenty of disagreements on how it's pronounced, so we're here with a new beer to help you out, featuring Tricacali Malted by our pal, uh, our pals, pals, at uh, Valley Malt in Hadley, Massachusetts. We hop this IPA with loads of El Dorado for a uniquely fruity, hoppy hints of pineapple, mango, watermelon, and peach. The Cambridge Brewing Company, Cambridge, Cambridge Brewing Company, was founded in uh, 1989 in Candle by Cambridge, and uh, they have authentic craft beer. So it's a wheat, it's a wheat, rye, charactered um, ale with a New England style twist. Now this is an interesting, interesting sounding beer. So I poured it out, got three fingers ahead in the tall glass. Um, that's I guess maybe why the color is the way it is, because it's not a that like I said that orange juice or mimosa look to it it's more of a pale 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 yellow um the smell uh i can't smell out of one nostril so it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for me to do this um it's got some great lacing on the glass already it's a very it's it's hoppy smelling like it's a little dank uh it looks like it could be a fruit bomb looks like it'd be a juice bomb let me just give it a taste Interesting. It's got a nice bitterness to it. Um, has a, a slight melon pineapple flavor to it. There is a spiciness to it, which is interesting and odd. It's a bitter spiciness, too. Let me get another sip on this bad boy here. Let me see what's going on. Mm. I don't know. How, yeah. It's a little bit of a, of a sweetness of the wheat there. I'm not getting any peach. It is a bit zesty. Like it has a bit of a, a bite to it. That could be the spiciness of the Tricacali or whatever. I'll tell you what though. Huh. For such a, a unique beer in terms of what they did to malt this, you know, with the Tricacali. Let me do one more sip. Okay, there's a nice rounded sweetness of the of the uh, wheat there. Mm. It is crushable. 
but it's just not a fruit bomb. It's not a juice bomb. It's interesting. It's unique. I, I like the smoothness of it, and I like the uniqueness of it. Huh. Bitter. It's got a nice bitterness to it. Wish it was sweeter. Wish it was juicier. 7.1. I'm going to give this a 7.1. I think that's a, a pretty decent score for the kind of beer that I'm drinking here right now. It's it's not over the top crazy in terms of the flavor. You know, it's 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 good though. It's got a great crushable flavor to it. You know, there's a uh, there's a it's got good brightness to it. It's not too overbearing with the alcohol. It's light. It has a sweetness to it, but then there's this this huge punch of bitterness that isn't like it isn't unpleasant, though. That's what I like about it. It's not unpleasant. So, you know, again, when you see something this hazy and this this pungent looking, you get a good mouthfeel, but I like it. But I don't think, for the most part, it's what you would expect in a New England style. A Niepa, if you will. New England style IPA. I, I guess it had, like, again, I think the emphasis is on the malt characteristics that go into these styles of beer. It's spicy. There's just, it's not as fruity as I would have enjoyed. So I'm slightly disappointed, but I mean, I give it a 7.1 because there's a lot of cool stuff going on here. There's an interesting flavor characteristic of that wheatness, of that rye spice that is there, that is unique. I mean, I don't know if it's the trigonometry that's in it, but it's there and I, and I give them a lot of credit for doing that. Because I think that's interesting and unique. Mm. You know? Ooh. I think it's pretty good. I think a 7.1 is a pretty good score for a beer like this. I would give you, I would tell you guys to go give it a try. I would I would encourage you to guys go to wherever you get your beer, Cambridge uh, Brewing Company, give Rhymes a Ukulele a try to see what this is about because this is an interesting take on the New England style IPA especially being from new um I, that's what I was saying I was like oh, I'm going to get a fucking juice bomb here it's from New England but interesting spiciness interested uh, interesting like full flavor but it's also a little light and I think it it, it toes a line there that's uh, that's pretty interesting and I think uh I think uh the listeners of the show would uh, would in, would enjoy uh giving this a try 7.1 from me I think that's fair and uh you know, I kind of wished because the the beer I got for next week is great because it's kind of it, it's got like a uh, a bit of a holiday theme to it, so you know it's gonna be fun to try. I think if I don't like a beer, I'm gonna just play that noise, the dog. So I like this beer, so I'm not gonna play that that noise because I like it. I don't love it. I'm not crazy about it. I got a little bit of a hiccup there, but I do like it. I think it's pretty good. You know, and uh, I'm going to finish this one, upload this show, get myself ready for Santa coming to town tomorrow. That's right. My uh, my brother-in-law's father is a Santa. He dresses up as Santa and the neighborhood uh, kids come and we give out toys and stuff. And it's really, really nice. It's going to be the first time my daughter gets to see Santa Claus and it'll be really fun. Anyway, I'm going to catch you guys next week. And that's going to be before the holiday, I think. Right. And I have a holiday beer, sort of a holiday beer, lined up. And I think you guys will uh, want to hear about it 
and uh, and and uh, it'll be enjoyable. So I really thank you guys for listening. I'm going to catch you guys next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Take care. Oh, and if you're in the fantasy football playoffs, I hope you're doing okay. I was two for two in terms of making it. Now I'm only in one left. So if you're still in it, I hope you guys win some money. If not, do it for the pride. Take care, everybody. Do it for the pride. Hang on.